Hello, friends, and welcome back. Uh, we have so much to celebrate. There's so many things. Um, starting off, of course, Happy Women in Horror Month. February's a beautiful time to celebrate those fabulous spooky ladies. Of course, today, our release day being Valentine's Day, um, you know, Happy Valentine's Day, guys. Um, you know, if you don't celebrate, I'm sorry. Uh, Happy Misery Day, whatever the case may be. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely a, a good time to celebrate. So cheers to all of you, you know, just, just for fun either way. Um, I mean, cheers to horror. Why not? It's something that brings us all together. Now, um, I promise you guys, definitely down the road, we're totally going to be covering some women in horror topics. Um, but I just, you know, Oscars have passed and I could not could not pass up the unbelievable opportunity uh, to be covering this piece of wonderful foreign cinema. Um, and uh, okay, I'm going to be honest with you guys. We're doing Parasite and I was totally ready to have this recorded right before Oscar night thinking, yeah, it's not probably going to win. The Oscars do not cover this type of stuff. And what happens when I wake up? The freaking film wins Best Picture, uh, which we're totally going to get into here. But I kind of blew my mind away. I was a little shocked. So totally had to rewrite the platform here uh, just to make things current. I, you know, want to stay relevant for you guys. Um, and uh, essentially ready to record our next day to run into technical difficulties. Uh, just, yeah, overall, not a good scene. So here we are back again and totally relevant and up to date. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm pretty stoked, uh, guys to be covering this topic. It's pretty amazing. Now as Scareview tradition purely, clearly states, we usually play the trailer and I would be very happy to play the trailer now. And we're certainly going to do so, but forewarned, uh, this is all in South Korean guys, if you didn't know that. So, if you do not speak South Korean, this trailer is going to sound like a lot of music and a whole lot of gibberish to you. Um, if not, and you've already seen the film, great. This is going to be awesome because it's just going to bring back some wonderful, just delightful memories. So, without further ado. <laughs> Okay, we 
미술가 지지이 그래서 그런 건지 그동안 미술 쌤도 여러 명 바꿔가면서 해봤는데요. 제가 사랑하라고 킥하고 떠올랐는데. It was just, it's just so good. Um, so Parasite, guys, 2019 South Korean black comedy thriller directed by Bong Joon-ho. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, he's also the guy behind the film story, um, co-writing the screenplay alongside Han Jin-woon. Um, premiering at the Keynes Film Festival on May 21st, 2019. It's the first Korean film to win the Palme d'Or um, and is, uh, you know, basically it was the first international film to win an Oscar. It's huge. Um, released in South Korea uh, by CJ Entertainment on May 30th, 2019. And to the rest of the world, kind of scattered throughout 2019, 2020. Um, and huge critical acclaim. Um, guys, this is definitely kind of the surprise best film of the year. Um, it's 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 just truly remarkable. So at the 92nd Academy Awards, of course, nominated for six awards, Best Picture, Best Director, Best International Film Feature, Best Original Screenplay, scooping up all four of those awards, which is huge. Um, and definitely, I think, totally the underdog, because I mean, at the Golden Globes, all it won was Best Foreign Language Film. That's, you know, pretty unbelievable. I mean, especially when you're going up against the, like, the, you know, giant figure that is Quentin Tarantino. Um, so diving into the plot here, it's quite complicated. Um, but essentially in the opening, we're essentially dealing with the Kim family. Um, Kim Ki, uh, who's dad, uh, Chung Suk, mom, uh, Ki Woo, or the son, and of course their daughter, Ki Ki Jung. Um, they're all living in this sort of semi-basement apartment, low-paying jobs, struggling to get by. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's kind of cool. Canadian connection in that opening scene. Uh, the family's watching the pizza box folder and uh, shows this girl and they're all quite amazed. Turns out she's actually from Ottawa. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. And um, thanks to this film, that little clip on YouTube is kind of blowing up. So pretty cool. Either way, um, Kiwu is, you know, says goodbye to a friend, Min, who's moving on to post-secondary, you know, university. Uh, but he's moving away. So, of course, he wants to give him his tutoring job with this lovely rich family known as the Parks. Um, they're quite naive and we're going to definitely get into, uh, you know, their their weakness, if you will, um, and because of this. Uh, and at the same time, he, you know, departs giving uh, Kiwu a gift, this landscape rock, um, which is basically a sign of wealth. It's meant to bring wealth. Um, and throughout the film, it's going to basically represents you know a, a bigger purpose to the kims but sadly at the end of the day it's going to have a completely different purpose 
now working his way in with the Mrs. Parks, slow, uh, essentially picking up the job as the tutor with the daughter, uh, and slowly he brings in the rest of the family. So essentially, you know, we see the sister get mixed in as the art teacher for the son. Dad's brought in, of course, as the driver, and mom eventually as the housekeeper. Um, and each uh, essentially recruitment for lack of a better word and it involves them creating a bigger lie a escalating this situation um and essentially things come to a huge turning point um and the turning point in my mind essentially is that rainstorm um the kim family of course tucked in nicely into the park's home the parks away are are away on their camping trip and uh, essentially all is going well until the doorbell rings. And uh, this is when the previous uh, housekeeper, uh, Moon Jung, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Again, I'm so sorry. Uh, but she appears to essentially just confess that she left something behind when she was, you know, dismissed uh, quite abruptly and she needs to get in. So we br they bring her in and she quickly hurries to the basement to find her husband. Um, this is you know, kind of, this whole water tie-in rainstorm thing, you could basically argue it's kind of foreshadowed in the beginning scene with the uh, fight with the Kim family and the drunk guy outside their, their apartment. But either way, um, this storm basically is a huge climate point in the film. And not only that, it actually represents climate change as a whole purpose for the world. So it's uh, it's truly unique. You know, it's, it does more than just that mood. Um, essentially, this storm is going to show us the repercussions of not only on the wealthy, but also on the poor. So our Parks family, of course, they're on a camping trip. What happens when it rains? Your camping trip gets ruined. That's, you know, basically a minor inconvenience in the grand scheme of things. What happens to the Kims once they eventually are able to escape the Parks' house? Of course, as we know, leaving the uh, previous housekeeper and her husband in the basement in, like, basically deadly circumstances. I was totally on the edge of my seat at that point. Um, but essentially, the Kims rush down these stairs, which the stairs all in themselves represent, you know, rich and poor they truly show uh the wealth gap that's occurring and they are basically flooded out they've lost almost lost everything um and it's it's truly truly upsetting now as we see the rich in this you know environment live up the mountain um and obviously they're using a lot of resources to maintain their gigantic homes gardens etc um but the environmental cost is hidden um but essentially to the kims it's huge you know it they the next day well that evening and into the next day i mean they're a huge group of them were left in a gymnasium to sleep but how are the parks they're wonderful i mean at the end of the day their son's trying to sleep outside in his makeshift tent as they you know rest the night comfortably in their living room to the next day awaking to essentially want to plan their son's birthday party um and they wake into this beautiful blue sky um where mrs parks makes note of this as they're shopping to comment on that um you know they're so blessed the rain has washed away the pollution and you know you kind of as the viewer you're watching mr kim stand there and it's like yeah it washed away also my house and my entire life um but you know she's bragging they're going to be trading camping for a great a garden party and you know just kind of totally forgetting that the city is 
you know, displaced a ton of people, um, including four of her staff. Um, but either way, um, you know, the tension builds and we see Mr. Kim's face kind of changing a little bit. Um, but things come to a true head uh, at the son's birthday party at home and we know things are coming. Um, just because essentially things are sort of foreshadowed that way. Um, when Mrs. Parks asks that she wants the table set up in the crane formation, you kind of get an idea of like, it's, you know, sort of this war, we're setting up for war, you know, and it's like, wait a minute, this is a birthday. Uh, but either way, we move on and essentially we see that Mr. Parks and Mr. Kim are kind of hidden behind the bushes, kind of going over this whole Native American attack scene. And this is when our basement dweller kind of has been let free, for lack of a better word, as he has come up through the basement after attack after attacking Ki Woo, who came down just kind of to check on things, also carrying that damn landscape stone, and um, which we come to see used as a weapon at the end of the day, you know? Didn't bring you anything except just total, total demise. That's it. Um, I was actually kind of shocked when he got up. I totally thought he was dead. Um, but at the end of the day, our uh, little basement dweller there escapes. Um, and no one, you know, really has any clue what's going on. I mean, he has blood on his face. At the same time, this kind of looks like Native American war paint. Maybe that's why no one thought of anything. But of course, he goes right after Miss Jessica, stabbing her in the chest. And of course, trying to go after um uh, Mrs. Kim and uh or uh, of course as he yells out uh Chung Suk because it's all he knows um and uh, essentially this is where a lot of theme comes out of course Mrs. Kim is able to kill her little basement dweller there and at the same time um essentially we see one of the main themes that's going on here class conflict and I'm going to totally get into that because I have a whole little theme section we're going to cover in today's podcast. Um, but essentially, you know, it's quite tragic at the end of the day. It's just two poor families essentially attacking each other in front of the rich. Um, of course, our basement alert dies and Mr. Parks is reaching for the keys. They're trying to help out. But the smell... The smell of the poor, something that he's commented on the entire time throughout the film. He plugs his nose, and this is something that has bothered Mr. Kim. It's a comment he's made about him as well. And out of nowhere, Mr. Kim gets up and stabs him. And it was, yeah, I I was definitely shocked at that point. Um, It totally caught me off guard. And he escapes to hide into our little basement hideaway um that's uh you know that they had no clue was originally there and uh, as i said kiwu miraculously survives um but of course he severe brain damage and um he knows something's up so of course goes back we see the morse code between him and dad and um essentially this epilogue that you think kind of a happy moment's gonna happen and of course we find out you know, as the camera pans down, beautiful shot, by the way, this is totally, totally represents, you know, that there is just, you know, it's, it's to wipe any hope. And the director even said that, that, you know, he was going to get that house and save his dad. Um, you know, dad's going to live in that basement until he dies. Um, and essentially, um, 
we end, you know, with him kind of crying as he writes the little note back to dad. And something I found out about the song, the ending song, it was actually sung by the main actor that had played uh, Kiwu. Um, and the song is actually called 546 Years. Um, and it's what the director writer says is how much time it would take for someone to save up for that house. Um, you know, and it's basically a song about just the impossible for lack of a better word. So some of the themes here that we're exploring, I'm going to start with our basement dweller, as I have been calling him throughout our entire revisiting of the plot, um, as, uh, or essentially Gensei, uh, probably butchering these names um but let's start with him essentially he's a ghost um totally suffering what you could only describe as a social death um thanks to his you know poverty situation um and uses this lights to communicate with the parks family it's kind of bizarre um but it's exactly what you would put into a ghost story it's it's kind of unique um but at the same time, um, you know, his his plot line, same with his wife, ties into the Kims quite effectively because their whole storyline is that of the class conflict. Um, you know, it's not only poor and rich. This is poor versus poor. It's so complicated and can be so violent. Um, we happen to notice that, you know, when the rich versus the poor, it's kind of schematic, like a chess match. But when the rich or the poor versus the poor, it is a total chaos. They are a total jumble as they jump on each other at the table, you know, that kind of thing. And um, essentially, you know, it's jumping on the backs of your fellow workers and they literally kick them down the stairs. It's, you know, this kind of hierarchy. Um, and... We see it throughout the film very early, you know, with the Kims from the pizza manager, uh, you know, just sort of her, ups, just her discretion with them about the boxes themselves. And later when they actually have some money and are ordering a pizza, how she sort of slams it on the table with just no regard. It's just kind of like... <laughs> From the research I was able to do, the tie-in with the Native Americans um, is kind of this director's motif about culture, um, you know being forced with commodities um and essentially it's also got a little tie-in with the original housekeepers the kims and a whole discovery of our new land but it's actually already you know basically occupied really really interesting um you know and definitely something i would not have thought on thought of all on my own <clears throat> now i've been focusing a lot on the poor let's get a little bit into the rich the parks family um i mean of course the wife total naive bimbo she really has no clue about how life operates but someone who is just as you know clueless as her mr parks i mean at the same time he says he knows the employees he really doesn't totally picks up and believes the cock and bull story that his you know driver's using the car for to solicit sex you know it's it's kind of bizarre you sort of shake your head at it um at the same time you know he totally thinks his lights and his house are controlled by sensors. It's actually a man in the basement using his head. You know, it's it's very clear that he really has no kind of clue at the same time as her on how the world operates. Um, and, 
you know, when you kind of look at him that way, he could be just as evil as, you know, the Kims or our previous occupants. Which brings us to kind of the full running theme of the movie itself. Who is the parasite? And I mean, is it the man living in the house? Is it the liars who totally snuck their way in? Or is it the rich riding off the backs of the poor? Um, you know, that's probably why I loved this movie so much. You really don't know who your your evil, you know, your villain is. It's it's just, it's so well done. Um, it's a great update on that whole, for lack of a better word, let's call it the American dream. That's what it was. The idea of obtaining this, you know, big time money-making event, getting a house, all that stuff, and essentially, you know, living happily ever after. This is a total update on it. Uh, an idea that it's not a reality for a lot of people. It really isn't. Um, and that there really is no right way to break out of it. At the end of the day, there's always going to be someone above you, someone below you. Um, you know, essentially, it's always you're always going to have someone richer someone poorer and there's always someone ready to take either of their places um and this film is so so good about it i just absolutely loved it um and guys release wise it's you know just killing it after of course winning the oscars um you've just seen a huge skyrocketing because everybody's curious about it now. It's not just us cinephiles. Um, and I have to admit, going into it, I was totally expecting something else and was definitely really surprised by this. Now, I saw some kind of running things, and even the director-writer says that he feels a real parallel to Jordan Peele's Us. I guess, in a way, I could see that. Um, I mean, we have the similar theme, these families kind of representing each other on opposite ends. Um, but to me, this this one just had a much better plot line. It was like an Alfred Hitchcock film. It was just so well weaved together. Um, so as of January 10th, 2020, Parasites grossed $24.4 million in the U.S. and Canada and about $107 million in other territories. So we're looking at about $130 million worldwide. That is huge. Um, and currently holding 99% on Rotten Tomatoes with 350 reviews. That is 9.4 out of 10. Pretty freaking amazing when you consider things. Um, and people are just in love with this film. Um, even more than me. Uh, you can hear the excitement in my voice. I mean, I'm definitely bugging coworkers. You need to see this. You need to see this. Um, and, uh, you know, the proof's in the pudding, guys. Uh, I mean, one quote that stood out to me, um, an urgent, brilliantly layered look at a time, timely social theme, Parasite finds writer-director Bong Joon-ho in near total command of his craft. And I honestly, guys, could not agree more. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, leave a review. Uh, you know, leave a comment. It just helps further along, um, you know, what I do and just sort of helps further validate why I'm here. Um, as always, guys, if you would like to see what kind of antics I'm getting into, follow me on Instagram and or Twitter. And of course, leave me a little uh, message. Always love to hear from, uh, from a listener or a fan. And uh, guys, as always, keep calm, stay creepy. And to my fellow Canadians out there, stay warm.
This is freaking cold time and I'm not loving it. So um, yeah, hopefully next episode finds us in warmer climates. All right, guys, all the best.